preview, fetching video stream. Hey guys, manana no mas page. How are you? This is uh, Kurt Von Annen. I am the host of manana no mas. And this is session three of the uh, John C. Maxwell uh, leadership book. And I want to go ahead and get to the right page on my screen so I can see what we're doing. And I am super, super excited today. So I don't know what it is about the way I, the way I feel versus the way that I'm moving. I, I want this to be like super exciting and like fireworks and amazing and tremendous. And then when I go to teach, or when I go to talk, I feel like I'm becoming like this monotone robot, you know, just trying to give like poor information out, you know, like, like a gas pump pouring fuel, right? Just to stay consistent. Um, it's not the case. Today's subject matter uh, speaks to me right through my heart. And I am very prayerful that it speaks through your heart. And uh, I hope that this is something that makes a lot of sense to a lot of folks. This section is called Goals to Growth. Goals to Growth to me is, is monumental. And, and it's, it's so much so, like I have a course in the Manana Nomas Academy called Behavioral Based Goals. And when you try to explain behavior-based goals to someone who's not aware of the terminology or what you're talking about, it can sound confusing because you're saying, no, I want you to have goals, but I don't really want you to have goals. I want you to think about growth. Yeah, yeah, no, you need goals because that tells you that you're going somewhere, right? <laughs> but don't focus on the goals, you know, focus on the growth. Because if you focus on the growth, the goals come along for the ride anyway, right? And so... It's, it's really fun for me when I look at the work that John Maxwell's put together for us here in leadership and he talks about, you know, and this couldn't be better, you know, timing, looking at what we're dealing with, with the pandemic and, and lockdowns and things like that. But, um, you know, and I understand people might be late coming to the party here on zoom. So as people chime in or chime out, you know, I'll try my best to, to not be overly distracted, but, uh, it is super exciting to think that people are following along here and signing into the learning management system and watching the replays and, and all that. And it really makes me feel good to know that I could do something under lockdown here in my house. And hopefully it's something that adds value to the folks that sign in. So I wanted to thank you for being here. That's one, um, two, uh, and let's do some housekeeping in case you, you know, I'm talking like you guys are already familiar with how all these tools work. If you're seeing this live on the Facebook page or as part of the Manana Nomas Facebook group uh, and you want to participate, by all means, go to the Manana Nomas page in the Facebook environment and you'll see the event. You'll see the invite there for the event. Uh, it'll be an event. You go through the details. It'll be a Zoom call and there'll be a link in there that you can click on. When you click on that link, it's going to open up, you know, Zoom meetings on your computer or your phone. You may have to download it if you've never used it before. Not a big deal. It only takes, you know, half a minute or a minute or so. Um, and then it'll load you right into this meeting. And then you'll be live. Like, you could raise your hand. You could ask a question. You could put it on video. You could leave it without the video. Like, if <laughs> your hair's not done, your makeup's not done, whatever, right? Um, but, but then you can participate and, and you can talk. And then there's chat also. Um, I've done Zooms before where people didn't really feel comfortable speaking or had a bad audio connection, but they could type in the chat area. Um, we've got people following us on the Manana Nomas channel all over the world. We are connected to people in Australia, the UK, Ireland, Italy, Spain, Africa. Uh, and it, it's such an exciting time because I can't think of any other time in history where you could be so well connected to so many people at the same time. And the idea that people went home from their jobs and they're dealing with the coronavirus, you know, shutdowns and lockdowns and somehow finding a way to use technology to be able to stay in touch and in some cases stay productive and profitable is pretty amazing. Now, if you're using the virus uh, to capitalize and gouge people and take advantage of people, shame on you. But if you're able to continue a working example, whether it's consulting, training, bookkeeping, uh, you know, working with someone's databases, building websites, whatever. If it's business as usual for you and, and, it's, and it's a consistent business environment, kudos to you for having a way to, to work around this problem. That's fantastic. 
Um, let's get into the book. If you guys, you know, can, can bear with me on this and just jump right in, right? We're in chapter three. We're in the John Maxwell leadership book. I'm on page 41. And right out of the shoot, he's got a quote here that opens up that says, improving your first, improving yourself is the first step to improving everything else. And, and through my own personal experience, I can tell you that is 100% absolutely on the money, right? I think about who I was in my 20s. I think about who I was when I got married the first time at age 26. You know, I think about who I am at the age of 31 when that marriage fell apart. I think about who I was when I met my wife, Heidi. I think about how we've grown together as a couple, right? And I think about the amount of work, study, dedication, um, the amount of energy that it took to invest in myself so I could invest in others. And so that quote right out of there hits it. And then if you know who John Maxwell is and you know what he does, like for instance, the last three days, three, I can do a three, the last three days, um, he's hosted the uh, John Maxwell IMC Leadership Summit. And it's been online because of the coronavirus shutting things down in Orlando. So he's opened this up online. He's let everybody participate. I mean, I paid $5,000 to do this thing in 2016. And now we've got, you know, him sharing with a nation uh, with the world that is, you know, hurting right now. What an awesome deal. But in the presentation today, he said there were 30,000 members of the John Maxwell team. I'm one of those 30,000 people. There's 30,000 members of the John Maxwell team. That doesn't count the, you know, over a million books sold, the churches he's run. I mean, the, the amount of, of change and positive energy that that man's been able to pour into the world and the universe is amazing. But he opens up chapter three with, when I started my leadership career, I had two goals. I wanted to help the people in my congregation, and I hope to someday, by the end of my career, grow a church to an attendance of 500 people. You know, let that set in. I just told you, I'm in an organization with 30,000 people. You know, he's been to, you know, over 70 countries to give a leadership message. He's met with kings and princes and, you know, prime ministers and all kinds of stuff. He's dealt with countries on leadership tactics. And here he is writing that his original goal was to grow a church to 500 people. And this is an example of, you know, hey, you know, this is what happens when you shoot too low, right? You ever hear the saying, um, you know, what a tragedy it is to set your goals too low and accomplish them, right? I would rather set my goals way high and only get halfway there than to set my goal too low and crush it, right? So, you know, it talks about um, some of the stuff that he had done uh, as far as developing himself. At one point, there was someone that was going to sell him a success motivation kit. That success motivation kit was $799. And him and his wife took six months, scraped the money together and bought that kit. And then for the next, you know, three years working out of that growth kit, you know, he was able to apply some of those growth techniques and success techniques to growing, you know, the goals that he had set for himself. He had found himself going from, you know, one goal to another goal to another goal. But when you hit goals like that, and people that are entrepreneurs, people that are in business, I mean, if you guys are in, in the audience, I mean, if you're listening on live and you're keyed in, you know, you want to put in a comment, you are like, hey, that's me, or uh, hey, I know what you mean, or, or whatever, that'd be awesome. But if you're an entrepreneur and, and you've set a goal, like I want to have a thousand fans, then you go, oh crap, I got it. You know, now I want to have 5,000 fans. Okay, I got that. Now I want to have a 5% conversion rate on this product based on half of my fan count, right? So now I want 5% conversion out of 2,500 people. And, and so you think about these goals, right? And so the, the question is, so what's next? You're always going to have a what's next if there's a finish line, right? And so the idea here is, what if there was no finish line? What if instead of focusing on the goals and accomplishing the goals, the real goal was just ongoing growth and then there's no finish line. I think that's kind of a pretty way to, to take a look at that. Now goals help, they help you to do better. Goals help you to do better, do better, 
right? But growth helps you to become better. You understand the difference? So if I am focused on personal growth, I will become better. If I focus on mentoring three people this year, well, that's a goal. That's three things that I, that's a, that's a task I get done, but it's not necessarily growth. And hopefully I'm describing that in a good way. Uh, he says here, as he reflected and explored ideas, he came to a realization, the lessons I'd learned while working to grow the church were actually more important and more valuable to me than hitting any numbers or achieving the goal. That's important. He's saying he learned from the process rather than getting through the goal, right? As I reflected and explored ideas, I came to a realization, the lessons I'd learned while working to grow the church were actually more important and more valuable to me than hitting any numbers or achieving the goal. Goals help me to do better, but growth helped me to become better, right? And, and that is so absolutely awesome. On page 44, um, he talks about when he was goal setting, when he was focused on goals and constantly grinding to reach a goal, it actually wore him down. It said, instead, the focus of hitting numbers started to wear me down. And I've been a tired entrepreneur. I've been a dude that's beaten myself up about writing or publishing the next book. Um, when I wrote Service Writing in Black and White, I didn't think it was going to sell. I mean, it was a task. I wrote the book. It was for me, I had to clean my brain. I couldn't sleep at night with the ideas that were in my head. So I wrote the book, Service Writing in Black and White. Boom, done. Short book, 100 pages or so. And it was for the automotive service industry. And then people started to buy the book. And then I started like setting goals and I said, Oh, well, I got to write a sequel. How about service writing in the gray? And how about this? And how about that? And I started beating myself up about performing at a certain rate. And then instead of patting myself on the back for having, you know, a book come out and sell, I was beating myself up because I hadn't accomplished the next thing yet. Right. And so we got to be really, really careful how much weight we put on a goal or how we beat ourselves to attain goals. Um, those people that follow me in the fixed operations world, you know, in, in selling, uh, in fixing service departments and parts and accessory departments and different car, uh, motorcycle, and marine dealerships, um, you know, I've been talking about service writing in the gray for a long time. And, you know, that book is finally uh, nearly ready to publish and actually put in print in somebody's hand. I mean, it's one thing to have a manuscript or a PDF that you can share with somebody that, that's a professional in the field that, you know, you're, you're bouncing ideas off of, but it's a completely different thing to be able to pull a book off a shelf and hand it to somebody. And, you know, we're this close to having that book printed and being able to hand it to somebody. And I got to tell you, I'm years behind on that one. Uh, and that's because I allowed myself to get beat up in chasing a goal rather than focusing on the growth that came from the success of the first book. Um, he talks about things that help in making these changes, right? Growth in everything, um, growth in a few vital things. And he talks about things that are super, super important in helping you to go to a growth mindset. And the first thing is attitude. It says, uh, I knew the first quality was attitude. My father had taught me that. Not a naturally optimistic person, dad had studied successful people as a youth and found that positive attitude was something they all had in common. And think about that. Think of anyone you know that's ultra successful. Think of anyone that you've met or you've brushed against or that you've uh, shared a conference room with. And typically, really successful people have a, have a positive outlook on things, right? They, they have a way to see the silver lining through the clouds. You know, I'm surrounded by people that think this coronavirus thing is the end of the world. I mean, people are freaking out. And I'm seeing this as an opportunity. I've been telling people for two weeks now. You know, this is a paradigm shift. This, this is a disruption. Whenever there's a disruption, there's opportunity, right? Whenever there's a big change, hence leadership, there's a big opportunity. So it says the second characteristic he quickly attributed to successful people was the ability to, to develop strong relationships. Um, this is big to me and probably about the most complimentary thing professionally that's ever happened to me happened just a couple of days ago, believe it or not. Um, I had friended somebody on LinkedIn. They're at a very high level on LinkedIn that I was unaware of. And they said, we can't add you unless, you know, we bump somebody else. 
And so we'd like to have an interview with you before we add you to our LinkedIn following, you know, to our connections. And I thought, well, this is different, but sure, why not? And so I scheduled a Zoom call with this gentleman and it ended up being a great call, it really did. Some of it felt more like a job interview than, than, a, than a getting to know each other call. It felt more like a, um, felt more like business networking than just networking, to be more clear. And it was interesting because he had asked me my thoughts about sales and he had asked me some thoughts about relationships and following up. And, and I gave him some very specific things that I taught in the power sports field. I said, you know, I teach my guys that they need to focus on the relationship. The more you focus on the relationship, the transactions will follow, right? You need to know, you know, the guy's name, his wife's name, where his kids go to school, you know, do they ride jet skis on the lake in the summer? You know, what kind of RV are they hauling their UTV with? I mean, it, it's, you want to know the people. It's not just about transactions. Transactions come and go, right? But relationships, relationships forge a path for things to move forward. And so I'm pretty passionate about that. And, and I discussed that with this man. And then he said, um, that's why we wanted to talk to you. You know, we've seen your content online. We see that you are focused on relationships and you're focused on growth and you're focused on. And so now we'd like to know if you could help mentor some of our customers. Would you be the referral point for our customers for sales coaching? And of course, you know, I'm super flattered and would love to do that. Right. I'm a speaker, author and coach. Right. So why wouldn't I want to do that? But it was one of the most humbling situations because here's someone that, you know, in the, in the grand scale of LinkedIn, I'm down here and he's way up here, right? And somehow or another, that gap had been closed. And that gap had been closed because I stress relationships and he stresses relationships. And that common bond of stressing relationship over transaction is going to lead to uh, a long friendship. So, and that friendship can be based in, in business or in, in personal talk, right? But understanding that and thinking in terms of, of going from a goal to a growth mindset, that is the difference that somebody can get, okay? Uh, I'm gonna jump over to page 46. Um, once John had figured out those two things about a positive attitude and relationships, he began to notice that he needed to equip people with these skills. And in doing so, he focused, uh, he focused his growth on four key areas, which he later turned the acronym REAL so that he could teach it to others, relationships, equipping attitude, and leadership. You've heard me say in the other two sessions, if you followed, I personally believe that we are in a leadership vacuum currently. Um, I was, pardon me, I don't care how you voted, this is not to be a political thing at all. Um, I will say uh, there were a few moments where I was really proud of President Trump and how he had addressed certain people in different conferences or in different things that he had said and, and how this corona thing is, has kind of taken shape. Now, maybe you don't remember Katrina. Maybe you don't remember 9-11. Maybe, you know, the details of it. But when I'm looking at what the world is suffering in this coronavirus thing and kind of how things are being managed in the United States, and I, and I should be clear, my work with the original equipment manufacturers, both Ducati and Suzuki, some of the biggest obstacles that these companies have in dealing with the United States as a country is the expanse of our country. I mean, it's huge right? I mean, Germany could fit in Texas, right? I mean, when you think about looking at a globe and you go, that's a country, that's a state. We have 50 states, right? And so when you think about the expanse and the amount of people and um, the amount of, of space between people, when you get up into like, you know, Montana, Wyoming, places like that. And so when I think about looking at the numbers and looking at percentages and think about, you know, the overall success that we're having with the coronavirus, as bad as it is, um, you know, there's times where I feel kind of proud about that. And I think, you know, relationships, equipping attitude and leadership. I see that. And then I see people fighting over how we're going to do a stimulus package. I see people fighting over, you know, getting medical equipment to hospitals, you know, whether it be the state, the county or the federal government. Um, and when you see that kind of stuff, you realize, man, at the highest level, in our country, 
we have a leadership gap. And so that's why I take it so important. And that's why I think it's such a, an important topic to bring up during this time and, and to share this time while we're under quarantine and to get better, to move a step forward, right? I don't want to just complain about there being a leadership gap. I want to try and help fill that gap by covering this kind of material. It says uh, growth with a timeline versus growth without a finish line. I've kind of already touched on that, but you know, when you have a goal, you've got a finish line. And when you're focused on growth, it's ongoing. It never stops. I get a kick out of uh, John Maxwell and going to the events that he hosts and stuff like that, because I've seen him grow, you know, over the last 18, 19 years, I've been to events that he's spoken at and I can see him age, right? I mean, age is a thing. It happens. And it's, it's fun to watch because the man doesn't stop. He writes every day. He learns every day. You know, he files something every day. And it's fun to, to see him talk and, and to reveal his daily habits and to know that there is a path for people like me to follow, right? Um, part I like about this part of the book here on page 46 is he talks about being naturally impatient, which is me 100%. He says, I'm naturally impatient and was often preoccupied on how long any given task would take. But as I shifted from goals to growth, my mindset changed. My thinking shifted into bigger picture and I became less impatient. And in the talk he gave just this morning when he was doing that broadcast for the IMC, he, uh, you know, the leadership summit that I talked about at the beginning of the call. When he was talking just this morning, he was talking about, you know, small picture thinking, big picture thinking, right? When people have a view of something that's not the big picture, it's generally based with impatience and based on themselves, right? It's it generally the focus is themselves. It, it's an inward focus. But when people can pick their head up and they can take a bigger picture look at something, it usually involves other people and involves a little more patience right? If I was teaching someone how to race motorcycles, which I used to do, that was a great job. Um, I would compare, I would say, look, the further you look down the track, the slower things are to you mentally. The further you can look ahead, the, the more it slows things down and relaxes you. And, and people would, they didn't believe you at first. Then I'd say, no, no, simple. Think about it. If you look out the window while you're driving down the highway and the dotted lines going by, if you look out right by your window, the lines are going right really fast. But if you pick up your head and you look down the highway, the lines are just coming to you. And you're going the same speed, but the perception of speed is completely different. And this is kind of that image that I get here, right? You take that sense of impatience and you take that inward focus and you pick it up and you look out and you relax and you slow things down. You become a little more patient and it helps you to become a better leader. Because as we covered in other sessions, when you're a leader, you tend to go fast. And other people aren't at that pace and you need to bring it back down and you need to get alongside your people. Remember the leadership dance? You know, you want to lead people, you want to be next to people and you want to be behind people. And then you want to change that position every now and then and just reassure your folks. John likes to break things out into two categories to make a comparison. So he has a goal-oriented culture and a growth-oriented culture illustrated in his book. On the goal-oriented culture, it says he values achievement. And on the growth side, it says values development. On the goal side, it says focuses on status. And on the growth side, focuses on stretching. On goal, you honor your privilege. And on growth, you honor serving. And adding value to people is one of the key phrases I picked up when I went to the John Maxwell team for training. And I've latched onto that since 2016. That's been my thing. Whenever I come up on a new project or a new something, I always think, well, how can I add value to people through this project? And that changes the way that you think about it. Like when I was at Suzuki making training material, part of you is like, oh, I'm gonna do this really cool picture and I'm gonna do this, a really cool video, and I'm gonna show you how to take this engine apart and how to put this engine back together. And then I'm gonna show you this, I'm gonna show you that. And then you go, wait a minute, how am I gonna add value to people? And then you have to take it back and you go, wait a minute, if I'm a technician at a dealership, what am I going to focus on if this bike doesn't operate properly for a customer? How do I diagnose that? How do I fix that? And then that becomes what the training is about, right? It changes the focus. If I change the focus to how can I add value to people? Who's my, who's my audience and how can I add value to them? It changes my product, right? Whereas if I'm just thinking about 
knocking it out of the park to make myself look good, that product becomes completely different. So I think that's important. Um, Goal-oriented culture emphasizes the teacher and growth-oriented culture emphasizes the student, which is the example I just gave you guys. There's a relatable story that John has in the book on page 47, and I'm going to read it real quick. It's just two paragraphs, super, super quick. It says, nowhere has my leadership from a defined timeline to an undefined finish line been more evident and more rewarding than in my writing career. I wrote my first book at age 32 because I wanted to make an impact on people I would never meet or get to speak to. The book was called Think on These Things. I can honestly say I gave it my best, but the end result was not very impressive. It was only about 100 pages, but it was okay. I hadn't written it to impress anyone. I had written it to make a difference. After the first book, I continued writing. I contributed a chapter to my book on time management. I did a book based on questions and answers. I worked on a Bible commentary. None of the books sold especially well, but I was happy to be learning how to write better and to reach new audiences. And the reason I say that that's a relatable story is selfishly, I look at it and go, I wrote a book. It's about 100 pages, and it ain't that good, even though I put my all into it. I know it's not that good. I know the next book's going to be better. And I know that each step along the way, I'm going to learn more, and I'm going to become a better package as I go along. But then I look at the other things here that, you know, he just, he just kept investing and trying to grow himself through different things. And at a certain level, later in the chapter, it's going to talk about layered learning. This is all part of that layered learning. These experiences compound upon themselves. You know, one day of doing something is just a day of doing something. But you do something for a week, and at the end of the week, you've got a sizable project on your hands. Now you do it for a month, every day for a month, every day for a year. All of a sudden, man, you've amassed, you know, something awesome. And that's, you know, part of the, the, the process of having something compound. And so that's what he's talking about there, right? Building all this stuff up. Um, it says the, he met a guy who was that Elmer Towns. He says, I was talking with Elmer Towns, a professor at Liberty university who was one of my heroes. And I found out that the lifetime sale of all of his books was 110,000 copies. That was back in the early eighties. And he has since sold many more books, but that was a staggering figure to a small time author like me at the time. And I found myself wondering, would it be possible to match that? Could I ever hope to sell 110,000 copies of my book in a lifetime? And for a short time, that became my goal. But it wasn't long before I replaced that goal with the desire to grow as an author, to keep improving my writing as well as what I had to say. Here's why I like that so much. That's right out of the, the text in the Manana Namas Academy for behavioral based goals. He took the goal and he said, instead of focusing on the goal, I'm just going to focus on being a better writer. For instance, I would love to be a professional speaker. I kind of already am a professional speaker, but I want to be a better professional speaker. Now, I could talk and talk and talk about booking events. I could talk about, you know, speaking at schools, speaking at churches, doing, uh, I could talk about doing things at, uh, you know, keynote talks at colleges. I mean, just go on and on about all the things I would love to do as a speaker. I could set those as goals. Or during this pandemic, I could set up a schedule of Facebook and YouTube lives, and I could just speak and work on my craft and focus on getting better at how I speak and communicate with my audience. Over time, I'm going to reap a reward of focusing on that growth rather than chasing those goals. And I hope that I'm communicating that in a way that makes a lot of sense. So uh, growth's highest reward is not what we get from it, but what we become by it. So the idea is to get better, um, not just to accomplish something better. Okay. Um, who here likes Chick-fil-A? Right. Uh, John references uh, Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A. He said that um, people were pressing him, you know, they need to make the organization bigger. How many people say, man, I wish there was a Chick-fil-A in my neighborhood. Right. So he says, we need to get, we need to get bigger. And one of the things that Chick-fil-A has really struggled with and, and focused to keep uh, on point is natural growth. It's not a fictitious growth. It's not a, hey, build it and they will come, right? They, it's not like Starbucks where they put three Starbucks in the same intersection and, you know, throw the dice and hope one of them makes it. I mean, it's Starbucks. So people, for some reason, we all line up and buy the coffee. 
but they will put a Starbucks somewhere where there's no demand because their growth pattern allows them to soak that up as a loss while the others pick up the expense. And then hopefully it grows, right? Hopefully the demand grows to the supply. Whereas what Chick-fil-A does, it says, <laughs> yeah, it, Truett's response, he says, if we get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger, right? And so that's, hmm, it's a little warm tea for my throat to keep me going. But uh, so what he's saying there is, if we get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. So he is going to build supply to match a demand that's already there rather than to build a supply in advance of a demand, if that makes sense, okay? If you shoot for goals, you'll achieve your goals, but you may not grow. If you shoot for growth, you'll grow and you'll achieve your goals. And that's kind of like what I was saying with the whole speaking thing. I live on Zoom right now. Uh, I have been on Zoom all stinking day. It is 3.30 Pacific Standard Time. And I came to my workstation here at about nine o'clock in the morning, flipped on Zoom and just started talking to different Facebook groups, YouTube groups. Uh, there's a group in Australia I'm doing a Facebook challenge with. And, you know, let's just face facts. Everybody's locked up at home right now. And if I'm going to continue to find growth for myself and get practice in speaking, well, this is it. And I thank you so much for helping me to explore that gift. Um, if we jump on to page 51. 51 says, adopt a teachable spirit. Uh, how many people have heard someone needs to be coachable? You know, I'll work with somebody, but they got to be coachable. Or a technician will say, yeah, I'm not going to mentor that dude. He's got to be teachable, man. He's got to be teachable. And teachable doesn't mean like, it's not talking about how big the bus was that you rode to school. It's not what that is. It's about an attitude, right? So growth begins with having a teachable spirit. It means having a passion to learn, possessing the intention to learn every day and reflecting on what you learn so you know how to apply it. There's a lot of things that go into that. And he's got some bullet points that break out starting on page 51 here. He says he makes growth his number one priority, right? He says he's conscious of his need to learn 24 seven because a day without growth is not a good day. That says, I look for growth possibilities in every situation. Right, no matter what I'm doing, whether succeeding or failing, failing's a big part of success. Uh, opportunities to grow are there. Uh, the question is, do I see it? Do I take advantage of it? I ask questions, this is the third bullet, right? I ask questions that will help me grow. Uh, I've watched John in person, you know, delve into asking somebody some questions and it comes from a genuine curiosity. You know, he doesn't just ask people questions for small talk. He asks questions because he wants to know what makes him tick what makes them succeed, what makes them fail. And, and in fact, when he asks, you'll, you'll see him on different videos and stuff. He'll talk about failure and he'll say, man, I, I love to talk to people about their failures because I want to see what they learned from not doing well, right? How did they apply the failure? Um, a lot of people think, and this was in this morning's talk, a lot of people think success and failure are like opposites, that they're, that they're separate, completely separate from one another, right? Success, failure. And that, that's not true. They're, they're like this, right? And so as much as somebody finds success in the world, you'll see how much failure they have to go along with it, right? But they learn from their failures and they progress towards success. And, and so that's kind of what he's talking about there, right? It says, I file what I have learned. John's old school. He writes things down in like legal pads and stuff, right? But here's what I took away from this. It says, people forget a lot of what they learn. If they want to recall it, they can't, or they can't find it. When I find articles of value, I clip them and I put them in folders by subject. And when I find quotes like that, I put them on index cards. Uh, man, if you are younger than 50 years old, your head's starting to spin already. Here's what I took from this. And this is a digital example. You can go and buy a, uh, I like to call them gigabytes because I'm weird, but you know, a terabyte, you can buy a, you know, a five terabyte external hard drive for 120 bucks right now. That's probably big enough to hold most of what any of us have personally on a, on a computer. Now, if you're like most people, you've got flash drives, you've got your C drive, you've got an old computer, you've got a tablet over there, you've got, you know, there's junk everywhere. 
if you go out and you buy one of these, you know, five terabyte external drives and you start consolidating your files, and this is not easy. Trust me, I've done this a couple of times. And then what I'll do is I'll take, you know, this was personal development. This was stuff I was writing. This is stuff that was from another company. This is stuff that, you know, is books I was reading. This is videos I was editing. This was, and I start kind of resaving and reclassifying everything in that drive. What that does is it helps me not just store my information in a way that makes sense instead of scattered all over the place, but it, it, it helps me to, to have a mental reset. It helps me to realize, oh, crap. Man, I've learned a lot. I've created a lot. The amount of content that I have written on the Manana No Mas uh, website is phenomenal. Like I look at that and, and you know, yeah, absolutely, right? Um, that site's been up for years. And when you start looking at like the first time I went to Bologna, there's a travel article in there, right? When I was working in Albuquerque and flew to have the interview with Ducati back in 2011 or something like that, and that stuff is in there. And when you see that amount of content and, and you kind of lay that, that snapshot down of where you were and where you are, it helps you to identify that growth is evident and how important growth can be moving forward. Uh, I'm up to page 52. The last bullet point says, I pass what I learn on to others. And hopefully you see what I'm doing today with you as an example of that. You know, find some way that you can pass your information on to other folks. And just so you know, I'm keeping an eye on the clock as well. I do see that it's after 3.30 and I'm moving right along for you. We're on time, we're good. Um, section three here, page 52, it says, make your love for learning greater than your fear of failure. I just talked about this, success and failure not being opposites, being close together. You, you, wanna, you wanna lean in on your failures. There was a funny story that he writes in the book. He says, uh, I can remember the day that fear of failure became my friend. It occurred in Los Angeles when I was asked to speak at a conference. Every speaker on the program was more successful, experienced, mature, and recognized than I was. Uh, I find that hard to believe now, right? But that's, that was true back then, right? Uh, I was less in every way, and I was feeling it. Finally, in the green room, I confided with one of the best speakers. Man, I don't feel qualified to be speaking here, I told him. I think I was hoping for reassurance. Instead, his reply startled me. You're not, he said. <laughs> Speak afraid, be willing to do it afraid, and eventually you will become qualified. Last month, I went to the Jake Ballantyne uh, Speaker, Author, and Coaches Summit. It was in Pasadena, California. Lucky for me, it was local, and I could drive back and forth every day. It was a three-day gig. This room was full of people, 63 people in attendance at this small summit. And I shouldn't call it a small summit. 63 people gathered that are like-minded. It's a pretty big gathering. So 63 people are there, speakers, authors, and coaches. These people want to be speakers. These people are calling themselves speakers. And then Jake starts talking, and I'm realizing in the room that like half the room hasn't done a Facebook Live. Half the room hasn't really done speaking. Not only that, they're scared to death to do it. And this is not to make fun of them. This is the opposite of that. This is, these people recognize there's something they want to do. There's an obstacle to them to achieve that. They go to the summit, right? And they blindly follow the advice that's given and they lean on other people in the room that have experienced um, that sensation. And through mentorship with others and through a group dynamic and through um, peer motivation, they were able, every single one of them was able to get on, do a Facebook Live, and now I'm friends with these people online, and they are producing content that adds value to other people consistently, right? And it is, you know, if you want to make a difference, you got to forge forward right through fear. Don't worry about the failure, the success will come, right? Action reduces fear and increases courage. It's one of the things I highlighted in the book. Action reduces fear and increases courage by just doing it. By just moving forward, you are increasing the courage and the confidence that you have to be able to find that success. Don't allow failure to be a bully in your life, if you will. Uh, it will if you let it, right? Uh, he's got another story here talking about going to South and Central America. Remember I told you he goes to other countries and works with leadership and stuff like that. Well, a reporter had asked him during an interview once. She said, um, 
he said, I'm spending a, a lot of time in South and Central America trying to add value to people and teach them how to raise one another up. Recently, I was asked by a reporter if I thought I would achieve that goal. And my answer was probably not. Probably not. The expression on the interview's face indicated surprise. Really? Well, yes, I probably won't live to see it. I love the fact that John's thinking of uh, legacy, you know, beyond his lifespan. Hmm. And that's good. I love a good cup of tea. Uh, it says, yes, I probably won't live to see it, but I would rather try something bigger than my capabilities with a high odd of failure than attempt something smaller that I know I would achieve. Fear of failure is no longer a bully in my life. I love that he is thinking like that. Um, talks about developing relationships with other growing people. I already talked to you about that, right? When I went to that speaker summit and I saw those 63 people interact and intertwine, you know, fears and successes in the same aisles and the same seats, it was really interesting to see the outcome of that. Um, John made a list of 10 things that create a growth environment. Uh, one was others are ahead of me. Two, I am continually challenged. Three, my focus is forward, right? My focus is forward. Number four, the atmosphere is affirming. Number five, I am often out of my comfort zone, right? You want to get out of your comfort zone, right? That's where big changes happen. Get out of your comfort zone. Right now, everybody's out of their comfort zone. I'm loving the idea when I think about power sports and marine industries and I think about how customers generally don't like dealing with, with the dealerships, this is a perfect time to have a reset, right? To kind of rethink how business is done at that level. You know, think about how many people like to go buy a car. Not very many people like to go buy a car. So this is the time. We could do a, a massive reset on these types of industries and make doing business with these industries more palpable if these industries are willing to go through the change. Okay. Six, I wake up excited. Seven, failure is not my enemy. Seven, seven, failure is not my enemy. Eight, others are growing. It's interesting. It's not about him. It's about others. Nine, people desire change. And 10, growth is modeled and expected. Um, if you work in a corporate environment, where it's the status quo and there's not much excitement and you don't see a lot of growth and you see the same old dudes sitting in the same wooden chairs at the same wooden desks, you know, for a decade at a time. If you're a person like me, you're going to start to die slowly on the inside, right? You want to be in a growth oriented corporation. You want to be where people are moving and shaking and things are moving on. And, you know, one of the, you know, if you look at the, uh, seven habits of effective people, you know, one of them is to train your replacement, right? And so you, you want to be involved in a dynamic atmosphere that's ready for change. And a lot of times in these bigger, more established companies, that doesn't happen. And so if you're someone that's really focused on growth, you might need to change that environment or augment your environment with a, with a separate environment that has these, these 10 bullets off this list, right? Now, something that's interesting, out of the 10 things that's listed, five of them are based in other people. So it's not a solo activity, right? It's other people. Others are ahead of me. The atmosphere is affirming. Others are growing. People desire change. Growth is modeled and expected. That all involves interaction with other people. So it's kind of cool. Uh, page 54 talks about developing humility. Uh, humility is not a that's not a, that's not a false humility. So you want to be clear, right? Like being humble is not the same as having humility. I want to say that. And I think that's right. Humility is, it's not about denying your strength. It's not about losing confidence, you know, falsely and being meek. Um, you can be strong, you can be confident, and you can still have humility. Humility is being willing to admit your mistakes. It's being able to um, witness and affirm your, your weaknesses to coincide with your strengths, right? And so you want to uh, develop a greater humility and more of a transparency 
And then if you've got some weak spots, as I've described in like the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and things like that, um, you want to, you know, the law of the inner circle, right? Put people in your circle that help fill those weaknesses, right? And, and kind of allow you to even amplify your humility by leveraging their strengths over your weaknesses, which is kind of a cool thing to think about. Believe in yourself. That's huge. That's number six here on page 55. It says you must see value in yourself to add value to yourself. So, and remember the opening quote, right? You have to develop yourself before you can help others. So you must see value in yourself to add value to yourself. There's a quote from Benjamin Franklin on the next page, page 56. And on page 56, he quoted Benjamin Franklin. Franklin said, empty the coins of your purse into your mind and your mind will fill your purse with coins, right? Talking about don't being afraid to invest in your education. Don't be afraid to uh, make an investment to better yourself. Number seven, talking about, you know, those goals to growth challenge is embraced, embrace layered learning. Remember what I'd said before talking you know, about how John had said he had written the, uh, you know, a Bible commentary. He had written a chapter of another book. Um, a lot of that to me was very similar. It says, uh, after that first book, I continued writing. I contributed to a chapter to a book on time management. I did a book based on questions and answers. I worked on Bible commentary and none of the books sold especially well, but it was, it dealt with layered learning, building the experience over time. Uh, and that was page 47. Now back on page 56, uh, he says, you know, embrace layered learning. And he quotes a uh, politician from 1954, Mr. Stevenson. Uh, he addressed a senior class at Princeton University and has a, a fairly long quote, but it says, the knowledge he has acquired with age is not the knowledge of formulas or forms of words, but of people, places, and actions. A knowledge not gained by words, but by touch, sight, and sound. And what he's talking about is a person that has the experience of life over a younger person that might have just the experience of book knowledge, right? And he's talking about the benefit of layered learning. And, you know, now in my 50s, I can look back and I go, you know, the overall knowledge that I have, like how the English language works, how to drive a car, how four-stroke engine theory works, um, it's not that I've become incredibly smarter in the last 10 or 20 years, but the application of that intelligence, a sense of wisdom and a sense of timing and a sense of mentoring um, that has come over me in the last couple of, of decades uh, trounces almost any of the education that I had before. And so always being open to learning and building on those layers is super, super, super important. Um, John writes here, uh, Layered learning, one life lesson applied upon another and another, each gaining greater insight, depth, and weight. It is wisdom acquired and applied over time, and I believe it's the best kind of learning. And then he talks, just like I mentioned, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Here it goes. The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership has one of my most successful books. Uh, it was the product of layered learning. I spent decades intentionally learning about leadership. I read hundreds of books. I sat with dozens of mentors. I listened to hundreds of messages. I daily applied what I learned. I failed and succeeded time after time and slowly, painstakingly. I learned enough about leadership to write the book. It was the product of layered learning. And then there's four bullet points that break that down. Layered learning determines the depth of a principle. Layered learning determines the length of a principle. Layered learning determines the consistency of a principle and layered learning determines the compounding impact of a principle. And so if you think about all the things that I've been talking about for the last 40 minutes, that kind of culminates all that together, right? So we're thinking about going from goals to being growth oriented. And then we're talking about the benefit of layered learning and layered learning determines the depth of a principle, the length of a principle, it determines the consistency of a principle. You know, I think one of the things that people see as a value in working with me is I can be excitable, I can be full of energy, I can be positive, I can, you know, there's all these things that I can be. But I think what people see in me 
more so professionally is a consistency. I have the ability to consistently evaluate and make decisions, evaluate and make decisions. And I'm pretty level-headed about establishing processes in that, right? And that came with time. That wasn't something that, I wasn't a skill I had when I was 30. That's something that came with time, being able to meter myself a little bit more. And then layered learning uh, determines the compounding impact of a principle, right? So it's not just like throwing a pebble on dirt and watching a little puff of dust come up. It's like throwing a pebble in a still pond and watching the ripples come out, okay? He quotes C.S. Lewis later down here, and he talks about, you know, if you're looking for a different way to think of layered learning, C.S. Lewis says, learning isn't like a train going from one train station to another train station. That would be a line, right? Like from A to B, right? Learning isn't this. He says, learning is more like a tree. He says, as we learn and grow, we add new rings of understanding without giving up the older rings. So like when you cut a tree, you have a cross section of a tree and you look and you see all those rings. What he's saying is each experience adds a ring, but it doesn't diminish the importance or the knowledge of the rings inside of it. It's a pretty interesting way to think of that. From a growth perspective, if you concentrate on growth over goals, uh, you will unlock and achieve your potential. That is so huge. As someone that consults power sports and marine dealers and other businesses, um, when I go somewhere and I see the potential of a business, I see the potential of people, and, and this is so huge, I'll go in and I'll see a service desk. I'll see a stack of paperwork that's a mess. I'll see phones that aren't getting answered. I'll see, and there's all these things. But, but what I, instead of focusing on all of that being wrong, instead of focusing on that being the negative, I look for the potential, you know? Are there people that are teachable here? Are there people willing to get out of their comfort zone and change here? Is there, can we move forward, right? And then when that is a yes, then it becomes, well, then what's the potential? If, if people here are willing to move forward, is it processes? Is it personalities? Is it product? Is it, you know, is it logistics? Is it, you know, and then I, then I can start to unravel it and start to, to troubleshoot it, right? But I got to make sure that there's potential. And then if you think in terms of growth instead of goals, goals are great because it's a report card along the way, right? So I'm not going to say you don't need goals. Goals are great report cards along the way. They, they take the temperature of a project, right? But overall, growth never stops. So if, if we focus on growth over goals, we will hit our potential, which is, is really freaking awesome. Um, I can remember, and this is when I was young, I was managing a service department and they had um, Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Sea-Doo, Triumph, Aprilia, hmm, Moto Guzzi, Oh my goodness. So they had all these brands, brand new building. The head technician, great guy. I won't call him out by name. You know, I don't want to embarrass him if he's, if he's still on, but um, great guy. I really love the dude. He was awesome. He was beating himself up. He was working two full-time jobs. He was working for me full-time at the, at the service department, but he was also working at a grocery store full-time working nights, stocking shelves and had done so for like a decade. So this poor dude's working over 80 hours a week. And he's got a family and it really, I mean, it just really dug into me. Like, why is this guy beating himself up? And it's because he loved what he was doing at the dealership, but he did what he had to do at night to pay the bills. And there's a lot of people that are in those shoes. There's a lot of people that, that don't get to see the potential. They don't, they don't, they don't have a focus on goals or growth. They have a focus on survival, right? There's a lot of people that are in that, those shoes. And so in that environment, I didn't focus on, hey, what's in it for me? And I don't want to say it that way because that sounds too self-promoting, right? Because a lot of it was what was in it for me, right? The more money the department turns, the more money I'm going to make too. I'm on commission. But what really drove me 
to find success in this atmosphere was I wanted that guy to be able to quit that job. That bothered me so much. I mean, to my core, it bothered me because um, I didn't have children at the time. And I always wanted kids, always wanted kids. Don't let my own children hear this because then they'll expect me to buy them something. But I've always, always wanted children. And he was married with children and he wasn't getting to enjoy any of the benefits of being married and having children. He was enjoying the obligations of paying for it, but he wasn't enjoying the privilege of having them. And so I wanted him to feel that potential. I wanted him to, to understand. And so I started putting things in place, different processes and um, different strategies in play at that service department to increase parts and labor sales. And eventually, uh, well, I pretty much doubled parts and labor sales. And this guy basically, for lack of better expression, I know that he just about tripled his earnings uh, working underneath me as a manager. And it wasn't just the money. So I, I want to be clear. It wasn't like, oh, he could run out and buy a new truck. No. Um, and it took time. It took six or eight months before he developed enough trust in me that this was going to maintain. This was the new normal. This is what growth could do, right? So, and then I would talk to him about, this is how we're going to continue to get better. And this is what we're going to continue to do here. And boom, boom, boom. He ended up quitting that job and having more time with family and really just becoming one of the best technicians I ever had the pleasure of working with. And he was doing something he loved to do. So how amazing is that, right? And that was one of the benefits of focusing on the growth, checking the goals along the way and making sure you're hitting milestones, but focusing on the growth and being able to see the potential. It'll make you feel good about yourself. You'll strengthen your values and your abilities. Definitely happened for him. Uh, you will grow in humility and self-awareness. The opportunity to see the growth in another man's family, stature, success, and to have a, a, an integral part in that was pretty amazing. That was pretty cool. You'll become more so you can do more. I think about this. That was one dealership. At Ducati North America, I directly affected 166 dealerships. So as I grew and I developed through the power sports industry, I became somebody that instead of just fixing one dealership could lend growth to 160 dealerships. And then Suzuki recruited me. And when Suzuki recruited me, they had over 800 dealerships in the power sports area and over a thousand in Marine. So I'm, I'm just trying to play with those numbers there a little bit. So it says, if you focus on growth, you will become more so you can do more. And now I'm online on the internet and the audience is unlimited really, right? Talking about this kind of material. It says you'll be example for others to follow. I've had some folks come up and message me and messenger me and tweet me. And I gotta tell you that it's one of the most flattering things in the world when someone hits you up with a message and says, man, I've been watching you since Albuquerque. Man, I've been following you since Denver. And can you tell me how to get involved in working with companies like Suzuki, with Ducati, with Yamaha, with Kawasaki, things like that. When you have the, um, the chops in your industry to be able to mentor or lend advice to people that want to step into your environment, that is huge. And so you'll be an example for others to follow. And that has added to the humility part more than I could articulate for you. When, when I have people that I, I actually admire messaging me and saying, hey, how can I do what you did? Um, that's that's pretty, pretty freaking cool. So growth perspective, I'm going to read them through real fast again without commentary. Uh, you will unlock and achieve your potential. You will feel good about yourself. You will strengthen your values and your abilities. You will grow in humility and self-awareness. You will become more so you can do more and you will be an example for others to follow. That is fantastic. 
And that puts us at 3.56 p.m., four minutes before the hour. Um, on the first session, I took a moment and I prayed with people that wanted to stay online. And I recognize that there are people that will listen to the Manana Nomas page and they may not be believers and they may not be believers and they might even get upset that I take a moment of time on the internet to say a prayer. And there are others that are uh, thankful for the prayer and there are some that just don't care and will endure it. But here's the deal. Uh, the learning for today, John C. Maxwell, Leadership Session 3. Uh, we're going to conclude that now. It's Tuesday, so I think Thursday at 3 o'clock we'll do another one. We'll do Session 4 of Leadership. And uh, I'm hoping that you can share this with folks and entice people to join the conversation. Jump on on Zoom and live and uh, be part of that conversation. That's fun when there's people on the line with me. And, uh, and we can have the conversation together. Each of these runs about an hour. And so for now... We're going to say session three is over. And for those of you that would like to stay on and uh, join me in a quick prayer, uh, I'd, I'd invite you to do so. All right. Oh, Father God, I thank you so much uh, that you're able to bring us together, that you're able to use technology to keep us connected. Father, that you can um, help us to grow through environments that seem to stifle growth if that makes makes sense. God, I appreciate the people that you uh, forward to these pages. I, I appreciate the people that you put uh, in this flock, if you will, that, that I can pour this information into, Father, that hopefully I can inspire, uh, that I can share some of the wisdom that, that John's shared with me through his writing, Father, and through the, through the courses and through the sessions I've spent with him. God, I pray for people that have family that are stressed out about the sickness, the illness that's going about. I pray for my friends in Italy. I pray for my friends in Spain, in the UK, in Australia. Father, I pray for the friends and family related to the people that are uh, on this call now or that are watching this video on Facebook, Father, that they, oh, I just pray that they would just have a, a lightened heart, Father, that they would find a little bit of peace in what's going on. Father, I know that you have everything in control. I know that uh, bad things happen to good people. And I know all those, all those cliches that are out there. But most of all, I just pray for peace. I pray for calmness. I pray for direction. I pray for the ability to lead. Uh, and Father, I pray that others that, that have the capacity to lead, Father, I pray that they would want to step up, that they would want to step out, and that they would invest in themselves and, and find a way Father, to share their leadership within their groups, within their niches. And uh, Father, I honestly believe there's a leadership gap in culture right now. And I believe a reliance on you and a reliance on the skill sets you give us will help us to close that gap. Father, I pray for these people, their families. I pray for their finances. I pray for all of the obstacles, Father, that, that are going to arise. I pray that you would have your hand on it, that you would smooth it, and uh, that people would find comfort. Amen. Folks, I appreciate you. I really, really do. Um, I've worked really, really hard at staying positive through this thing. We're on lockdown for a couple of weeks so far. Uh, I get to go running. I get to go bicycling. I have freedoms. I have my health. Uh, we have food in the house. All in all, I feel pretty blessed. If you are going through discomfort, if you are having issues, if you are lonely, if you are home without family, if you're a single person living in an apartment and you really don't have exposure to others, I invite you to have the conversation on this page. I invite you to comment on these videos and create conversation. I invite people to form community and to find some kind of common ground that they can connect on. You know, leadership is about communication. And one of John's books is everybody communicates and few connect. And I'm here to tell you folks, I am open for connection. Uh, I might not seem like the most compassionate person in the world at times, but I'm pretty good at listening. And my wife more than makes up for it on the compassion side with me. So um, if you are a young adult between the ages of like 18 and 28, uh, we have a group called Resonate. 
that we meet with at Olive Branch Community Church, and that's here in Corona, California. But we also have a Facebook page on Facebook, and we'll be doing a Zoom conference there at 7 o'clock p.m. because we're unable to meet at the church. So we're going to get together at 7 and kind of do prayer requests and, and get to get to connect with everybody again. So have yourself a good one. And uh, I will see you guys on Thursday at three o'clock. All right. Let me get to this button here. Have a great day. When I first thought of the prospect of working from home, working remotely and the stay at home movement, I thought, how can I add value to the people that have the time to listen? And that's when I thought this is the perfect time to cover the book Leadership, written by John C. Maxwell. And some of the leadership philosophies that he brings forth in this book are such a value to share. And I hope that you find value in the series that I'm promoting here on Anchor, on the other channels that Anchor supports, and the replays available at the learning management system we have at manyananomas.com. If you go to manyananomas.com, click on Academy in the upper menu, you'll see that Leadership is a free course that people can participate in, catch up on the replays, and then join our live shows. Have a great one.